promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Don't regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. Holy Gospel according to John, the eighth chapter. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. So if the sun makes you free, then you are free indeed. As a parent over the last few years, I've discovered a few things. Number one, that my children are smarter and more accomplished than I will ever be. And they they get better grades. They have a much better attendance record at school, I I tell you that. They, They have more athletic accomplishments, more medals, even though I was... San Luis Obispo County champion in the discus as a freshman. Um, there's overall better people. And isn't that the goal of parenting, right? We have kids. We know ourselves. We know our own sins. Our hopes are that our progeny won't make the same mistakes. That's like our regular prayer. Don't make him as dumb as me. It's not that hard, right? And, that's, and I think that's partially the American way, right? In America... Our, our, our mantra is about freedom. Our, our, our thinking is that this is a place where you can come or you can be born into in which you have the freedom to make something of yourself, right? You have the freedom to become something better. It's the reason why a tailor or, or, a, or a community activist can become president. It's the, it's the reason why a, a billionaire can start out flipping burgers at McDonald's. Right? It's this American way, this American ethos that we, that we have of, of what it is that we can do. At least that's what we tell ourselves. But the problem is this morning is that Jesus comes to you with a different word. A very different word, in fact. And first, the first way he comes to us, and it is in our petition, right? And so like our good confirmation class that we have here, Josiah, you better be able to do this or you don't pass. Sorry, we'll, we'll wipe off the laying on of hands from the previous service. You have to start all over. You have to join Tony with Pastor Chris in class. Um, we'll read our petition, and I'll ask you the question, and you get to answer me with the explanation to this fifth petition. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? We pray in this petition that our Heavenly Father would not hold our sins against us and deny our prayers because of them. 
We know we have not earned, nor do we deserve, those things for which we pray. But we ask that he would grant us all things through grace, even though we sin every day and deserve nothing but punishment. And so we, too, will heartily forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. See, this first word comes to those of us who think, well, I'm just going to improve myself. I'm going to make myself better. And it says, yeah, good luck with that. Right? It says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It means that every day we come to God and we say, okay, please forgive me today because I might be able to make a buck. But wow, my heart. Understanding these things is that we can, we can improve as much as we can of our life situation and yet there's more to life than what our resume says. But secondly, he comes with a different word, a, a different word because we can always count on Jesus to be the party pooper. He comes to us with this word of, you say you are free, but, it's a big but, very large but, you are slaves, he says to us. We are slaves to a theology of progress. We are slaves to becoming better people because then you could maybe get rid of Jesus, right? Actually, I had a parishioner in a previous call once say at a men's Bible study, well, pastor, I believe that we can evolve our way out of sin. That one day we will just not sin. And I said, good luck with that. This idea that, well, if we can just get to that point where we can make ourselves better, then did Jesus just waste his time? Was that just that afternoon on the hill outside Jerusalem? Just not, whatever. He went through it for no reason. See, we are slaves, slaves to our own righteousness, our our desire to be self-righteous, to the law, these demands that we think we can follow. And if we just mark the boxes, we're good to go. Slaves to our demands of time and, and, and energy because we are mortal beings. Slaves to greed, pretense, greener grass, because we, we live in a world, and well, we live in a town, for instance, that has 30-something churches. Ridgecrest does not have a church problem. If something bad happens here to you, you can just always try a different one, right? But he doesn't leave us there with that. He doesn't leave us with just, well, you're slaves. Because then he comes to you and he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He's about freeing slaves. And so he comes to us with these truths, this one truth of, the, of, of knowing the true you, the, the sinner you, the godless you, the, the, the you who, who neither fears, loves, nor trusts in God above all things. And once he hands you that, once you understand that, then he, then he offers up to you the other truth, the, the true Christ, the Savior Jesus, the God for the godless. Or in the way that, that Josiah will, will talk about it today in his faith statement, you suck, but you have a God, and that God promises you things. He makes you promises, a promise that you are in bondage, but he will free you. See, confirmation, unfortunately, over the last many, many decades in the church, it's supposed to be the affirmation of of baptism. It's supposed to be promises made, promises kept. Where, Where at Josiah's baptism... His mother and I made some promises that, that, that we would raise him up in the church and teach him and help grow his faith and all that stuff. I think I did okay because I'm a pastor. 
We'll find out. Um, it's a shot in the dark. Uh, but then also promises were made over him. That he's a child of God, that he's in the will, that his sins are forgiven, that he'll be with the Lord forever. And here today, he has this opportunity to come and take ownership. It's a transfer of title. It's a transfer of deed. Where, where previously, uh, it was basically, well, we were holding this faith for him. Now he gets to stand up in front of you and he gets to say, no, now it's my problem. It's my thing. It's this movement that I often talk about with the confirmation students of, we, we start out with Exodus 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This God who proclaims himself to you, to have done something for you. And then we move from there, hopefully, to Psalm 31, 14. I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. Do you notice the difference there? One is a God speaking to you saying, I'm yours. The other is you speaking to God and saying, yeah, you're mine. That is the hope, that is the prayer within confirmation, because this isn't a graduation, son. Otherwise, I would have started out with, you made it. We would have walked in at pomp and circumstance. You would have had the little hat with the tassel and all that stuff, right? You could throw it up in the air and break one of the lights that John fixed. Um, it's not a graduation, Unfortunately, that's how the church has seen it quite often, dealt with it, that we sit here and we look at it as just this conveyance of information, that, that we fill your brain with a bunch of stuff and you'll go, okay, I understand this, you pass the class, you get the little certificate to say that you completed the course, and then you go on your merry way. Well, I've got what I need, I don't need it anymore. You might come back if you need a little bump here, or if you want to make sure that your kid's sort of get the certificate to, you know, it's like a proof of vaccination thing. Oh, look, I've got Jesus, you know, kind of a thing. And there's cake, and, there, and there's pictures for grandma, which, by the way, I sent pictures to grandma. Um, but that's not what confirmation is about. It's not about information. Yes, information, yes. It's about absolution. It's been handing over the goods of the gospel. It's about breaking to pieces this, this idol that we've created of, of information, which can be codified, and so we can say, here, learn this, you're good. Whereas Jesus comes to us and says, okay, die. Because true absolution comes with a death, the death of Christ and the death of you as a sinner, that he might raise you. Because you see, Christianity is not HGTV, Okay? You don't show up here and say, okay, pastor, I need a new sink in my bathroom and some new tile in the kitchen, and then I'm good to go. No, for lack of a better word, this is about necromancy. It's about raising the dead, bringing people to life, where Christ speaks to you and says, I'm giving you new life. New life actually has forgiven people and forgiving people. If you notice in our petition, right, we ask that God would forgive us. And then what do we say? As we... Forgive others. Yeah, how's that going? That's a dangerous petition in itself. Richard Foster, a Christian writer, does a lot of stuff around spiritual disciplines, and he just wrote an article this last week on forgiveness in the church, and he says, life together always involves hurt. It is why siblings can, can hurt each other the most, am I right? The ones that we love the most and the ones that love us the most often hurt us the most. It is why marriages don't last. 
Because when you take human beings, sinners, you're getting my, my wedding sermon right now, by the way. You take human beings, sinners, and you put them in a confined, confined space for a period of time, something bad is going to happen. It's just inevitable. It's going to happen. The, the issue for us within the church is that often we try and hide those things behind a facade of not really worrying about it. Oh, it's okay. We, we put on this, this fakery, as, he, as, as Richard Foster talks about it, or we decide to run away. We take our ball and go home. If we got hurt here, then we'll just go to a different place. Well, I'm sorry, there's sinners at every other church in town, some more than others. Um, or we become numb. We just kind of just go, whatever. We leave the church altogether. But that just empowers our enslaved selves. We have to come to grips with the fact that the church is a community of hurt people and hurting people who need their Jesus all the time, every day. But the problem with forgiveness for us is most of us fear it because it steals our power. We fear losing our right to rage, our right to play victim status. The power we think we have over another to point fingers or uh, 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 to damn them to hell or, or to stand above them because we go, oh, wow, at least I haven't committed that sin. Forgiveness is humility. It tears us down. That's why the cross is what it is. There's nothing more humbling than a public execution of that sort hung naked on a tree for everybody to see. That's why Jesus is so dangerous. Because for us as finite beings, as human beings, as sinners, we commit a sin or a sin is committed against us and it stands as a reality. It stands as a historical thing. It stands as as part of us. It happened. It's there. We can pretend like we can forget it, but we won't. It always informs our relationships with one another. We're always going to see each other through that, through that lens. But the thing is, is that with Christ, what actually happens is it's not just forgiveness. He takes those things away. They're gone. Actual forgiveness happens in him where he removes them. They're remembered no more. They're stolen from you and put to death on the cross. That's why we pray this petition, because otherwise we are holding on to sin that Christ has taken from us. We're denying ourselves the new us, the new you, and we're, deci- we're denying the, the new them, that, that, that Christ ha- has died for them too. We're expecting that they have to, to serve up a pound of flesh to you. Well, the danger with that mentality is what happens when you sin against them and they want two pounds of flesh from you? That's why we fear forgiveness, because when Christ comes, the sinner dies, and with him every record of wrong, and so goes all the power we want over other sinners, then that actually becomes freedom. That becomes the freedom that Christ brings to you. Freedom from your own sin, that you're actually free today, right now, free from it. And then free from the burden of vengeance and spite from the burden of memory, hopefully, that might help you. Well, today I picked Psalm 32 as our first reading that Alex read. 
And I love it because it's God handing you a prayer, handing you His Word that contains within it these gospel promises. And I took the time this week to rewrite it a little bit as part of some translation practice, but also as sort of a gift to Josiah. But hear these words. Happy is the one who has had every fear of death, every act of despair and hate, every faithlessness removed from him by our Lord. Like a heavy pack discarded at the end of a long hike, a pack full of all our idols, all our decisions made in haste, all our broken promises and attempted virtues, a pack he takes from our shoulders. Blessed is the one whose every sin, like graffiti on a wall, has been painted over, not to be seen, like a hole in drywall that has been patched and no longer noticed, all is covered. Your happiness is that God doesn't even think on your guilt or depravity anymore. He doesn't keep score, so be honest about it. Be bold in acknowledging your sins so Christ can be an even bolder Savior. Don't try to hide it or we'll eat you alive. Unspoken, it becomes a paper cut between your toes. Unspoken, it can even become pride, which shuts your ears to hear your Jesus speak to you. Because sin exists to be forgiven. Trust that God will forgive because he already did. Recognize your failings and weakness. Speak it out loud and let him speak to you, saying, I trusted you and spoke honestly, and you did not fail me, O Lord. May we pray to you, O Lord. May we truly speak to you and know that you may be found by us, that we won't be drowned in doubt, fear, or despair, knowing you will be there. You are a place for me to hide my sin. You are my shelter, my covering. You guard me, watch over me, keep me. You pull me out of a tight spot every time I shove myself in there. You envelop me with cries of freedom. And God speaks to you all today. I am the subject of all the verbs, and so I will throw you down the path. You shall go. I will guide you, lead you, look upon you. So don't be like a horse racing with blinders on and able to see anything outside your own course. Don't have need to be coerced or forced, but see me for who I am, your God and Redeemer, your forgiveness itself. Without you, O oh God, the pain, without God, the pains of your mind, soul, and body will be too much to bear alone. For you will walk around as the guilty one, as one under condemnation, without righteousness, without safety, not free. But trust in him alone. Have confidence and boldness, secure in knowing a forgiving God whose goodness, kindness, faithfulness to forgiveness, his mercy will march around you like a defending army, like a blanket we used to swaddle you. Rejoice in this God, tremble in wonder and awe, you righteous one, declared by God as so because of Christ, having been washed, cleansed, pardoned by him. Shout it from the rooftops, even the parking lot, being honest in your inner being. You suck, but you have a God who has taken all your suckiness and put it on Jesus. So now you have a Jesus who became all your suckiness in order that you might be free from all. So embrace the suck. Don't fear it, then you will be free. Thanks be to God. Amen.